Hey everyone, Ron Garen here. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Orbital Perspective podcast. What started out as a discussion around sheltering in place almost a year ago has turned into a discussion platform centered around making our world and our future better for everyone. Let's keep that discussion going. I also wanted to let you know that my next book, Floating in Darkness, A Journey of Evolution, launches on May 4th of this year. It's the sequel to my first book, The Orbital Perspective, and goes much deeper into solving the challenges that our world faces and how we can come together as one to create solutions. It's part autobiography, part action movie, part love story, with a message of unity that I would like to share with the world. For my loyal podcast listeners, I'm offering a 25% discount off the retail price. To get the savings, simply go to floatingindarkness.com forward slash order and enter the code PODCAST to save 25%. It's good for the next 48 hours, and it's my way of saying thanks for joining me on this incredible journey towards a better future. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Orbital Perspective Podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is that they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the last Orbital Perspective podcast episode uh, for 2020. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Um, th- you know, this is this has been quite a journey uh, throughout the year. Um, 
the podcast was born out of a desire to um, give hope, give reliable information, give guidance on folks as we to folks as we dealt with the emerging uh, coronavirus crisis. You know, back in back in early. 2020. And so it started out as conversation, conversations sheltered in place. Uh, initially, we were just on Instagram, and then we evolved to have Facebook and YouTube. And then now we listen to your, your feedback and your comments, and it's a full-blown podcast now on, on all the major podcast platforms. And so thank you for, for being along for this, for this journey and uh, for all your comments. And like the intro says, this is not just a conversation between two folks. It's a it's a conversation amongst all of us. And so you're all part of this. So jump in with your comments and questions. Um, you know, when we, when we started out, again, it was all focused on the crisis known as COVID-19. But as 2020 developed and we realized what an incredibly transformational year it was becoming. And uh, as we faced more and more crises of different type, uh, it, it all became about, you know, how do we come out the other side of these crises stronger, more unified than ever. We've had, um, you know, pulmonologists, we'd ha- we've had epidemiologists, we've had heads of state, CEOs, musicians, uh, all kinds of folks. We even had the former chief of staff of the, of the U.S. Air Force on board. And, and all of these people are making a tremendous impact on the world, and all of them provide a unique perspective. And that's what it's all about. It's about looking at things from different perspectives. There's a lot of divisiveness in the world right now because people are are locking into their own narrow perspectives. Uh, they're missing the point that it's because of our difference in perspectives and that diversity of perspective that gives us strength, strength in our problem solving process and uh, you know how we attack challenges and, and everything else. And so I'm really excited. My guest today uh, is also providing a very unique perspective. Uh, he is a visionary innovator, um, one who, basically puts increasing unity at the forefront of, of everything he does uh, in business. And so with that, I want to introduce uh, today's guest, Tony DiMatteo. Tony DiMatteo is the co-founder and CEO of Lottery.com, which enables consumers in multiple states to play state-sanctioned lottery games directly from their mobile phones. Lottery.com is also the largest provider of lottery data in the world, with clients including Google and Amazon. The company has worked with regulators and industry leaders to help establish lottery courier services in the United States. Tony is responsible for global initiatives and the development and execution of the company's long-term strategy. He is also the executive director of Win Together Trust, and wintogether.org, a charitable platform enabling causes to raise funds for global and local projects. He is a sought-after thought leader, and his approach to social impact, entrepreneurship, blockchain, and the gaming industry has been covered in The Wall Street Journal, VentureBeat, TechCrunch, Inc., and much more. Tony has also been a featured guest speaker at Tony Robbins' Platinum Finance and Peter Diamandis' A360 events, speaking on the future of fundraising. Hey, Tony. Hey, Ron. How, how, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good how, to see you again. Things, how's things in the forest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's nice and cool and, and a, a good temperature. I can't complain. Yeah. So you're coming in live from, from Austin, Texas. That's right. 
Uh, although I don't think that's Austin behind you, but uh, <laughs> my my uh, my background is not uh, real either. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's fair. So th thanks thanks again for for um, being on the on the episode, especially since it's the last episode of the season. Uh, we'll be back in 2021, but this is the last one for for this year. Um, you know, I was thinking back to when we met. It's a few years ago. Uh, a couple years ago, and I, I remember I was going to an event at Reuters uh, in Times Square. Uh, it was a UN event on the, on the decade of women, right? And yeah. I remember looking at the uh, at the program of of the speakers and everything, and I saw uh, Tony DiMatteo, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." Why is my high school football coach uh, speaking at <laughs> this event? Because my high school football coach, Tony DiMatteo, is is, uh, is still a football coach, by the way, uh, is one of the winningest coaches in New York State history. He's, he was the NFL coach of the uh, high school coach of the year. You know, really uh, an amazing uh, uh, coach and leader. And uh, uh, I was, but then I realized somebody e equally as impressive was <laughs> was Tony DiMatteo, not DiMatteo. Uh, and so that was a uh, that's how we met uh, back uh, back in New York a few years ago. Do you remember that event? No, I do. I actually I completely remember that whole thing. And, and it's um, it, it's interesting how the universe connects us, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have that, like that you know previous connection to, to to my name and you know my my last name, Di Matteo, Di Matteo, Di Matteo, It's I've I've heard it a million ways. It you know it's uh, it's it's the same letters in the same order, but it just it changes depending on who like you're talking to and, and where oh. you're from. Um, but absolutely, I remember that, and and I remember sort of seeing you speak at that event and the video that you played after that, and I was just so impressed. Of uh, it, it felt like to me is, you know, that 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 somebody got it in the same way that I got it, which is that like you know our own perspective is so limited, right? Like uh, I feel like uh, honestly, like sometimes I feel like we're we are uh, horses in Times Square with the blinders on, right? Like we have such a limited perspective, and that's how we grow up. Yeah. And we can only see th see things through our own eyes, right? Um, and it's such a, a skill to develop over time that you know, like you, really, the way to grow, even as like an individual, is to see things through other people's eyes. Exactly. And you have to understand of like what, why do they do these things? What do they want, right? Like if you sit down at a table together, like you know, what's what's our motivations? Like you know, how does this all work? And that that is such a esoteric. Um, thing like it but it deserves discussion and, and i appreciate your uh podcast specifically because that's what it's about it's about perspective right it's about taking yourself outside of your own experiences your own past and seeing things seeing the world in a way that like you know that is not you yourself it's, it's how do you see other people's view of things exactly exactly and the the main tenet of the podcast and the book that the you know the book the orbital perspective is that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective and I think you're right. you're a good example of that. so hey during this conversation if I slip and I call you coach you know for, forgive me <laughs> if that happens but, absolutely fair uh, enough a shout out to everybody who's tuning in I see you all jumping into this conversation well I don't see you jumping into the conversation I see you jumping into the observers booth there but we want you in the conversation so. Uh, start sending us your, your your comments and your questions. So, Tony, maybe a, a good way to start would be, you know, I'd really love to hear the story, and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear the story of both Lottery.com, you know, what motivated you to start that, what's the goals and objectives, and also win together. And so, uh, sure. I don't know, I don't know what's which you should cover first, but whatever makes the most sense. But I, we definitely want to hear both. No, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, um, 
I, I'm a person who I'll, I'll say has a, well, to be fair, like a different perspective on things is, you know, like I, I barely graduated high school, honestly. I, like I just, you know, sort of barely hit that mark. And, and if, if they had said, Tony, you have to go to summer school, I'm not sure that I would have done that, honestly. Uh, that That's how close it was. Um, but I just sort of looked at the world differently. And, and that was a difficult road, on, uh, to be honest. If you sort of think about a kid who doesn't understand the current system and like, why are we doing all these things? And, you know, what, what's happening is like, I, I felt lost most of my like early life. Um, but I, 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 I realized that like, it's important to sort of, you have to graduate high school and that that's a good thing. But I sort of, I, I had no interest in going to college and sort of, I, I dove into tech very early. I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. And then we moved because my mom had a health problem. And so we moved to Northern California. I ended up in San Francisco in like 98, 99, right? Which is sort of when sort of the, you know, tech boom was happening right before the bust. Got into that, I learned a lot of lessons, you know, of like how do you build a real business, how to build a, a fake business. Cause I saw all of the, you know, dot-com booms and bombs, right? Of how that all happened. I just went through that. But at my heart, I w I've always been an entrepreneur, which is, you know, I, I think is the best skill for everybody to learn. Whatever you do, whatever you're passionate about in life, even if you have sort of a, a day job, right, which that, that pays the bills, is that you should always have something on the side, which is what you're passionate about and understand how to, you know, uh, increase sort of, well, it just that you should always have a sidekick. I'll, I'll just stop it there, right? It's like you should always be thinking about your yourself and and do what you actually care about. It's it's great to have a, a nine to five job, but you should really be focusing on how do you build a business on your own that you have ownership in to sort of give yourself that financial freedom going forward. And that that's been my sort of ethos, like from you know I'll say seventeen or eighteen years old. Um, long story short, I, I I'm rambling a bit, Ron. No, you can no, stop no, me no. whatever you want. No, <laughs> okay. No, no. <laughs> um, I'll say, you know, I, I spent time, you know, I was uh, an IT guy. That's my training. It, it's just like a, I have a, it was easy for me to solve problems. That's that's really the way that my, that my brain is wired. So I became an IT guy in San Francisco. And uh, uh, eventually I sort of built up the goodwill and the relationships when I had the idea that I thought was going to be my future, that I could go back and talk to, you know, my, my VC friends um, on how to sort of fund that. Um and actually, like the 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 genesis of Lottery.com actually came from my partner, uh, my co-founder Matt Clemenson. And the idea was like, look, uh, you know, we should create an app that allows people to just check their numbers online, right? So, like, if you buy a, a lottery ticket, you you can take a picture of it. We check the numbers for you. We let you know if you've won. Um, we did that, and then we realized, like, well, well, wait, what if we can actually let people play the lottery from their phone, you know, in a legal and compliant way? And this is sort of lottery is an industry that is so legacy, I'll say, in, in the nicest way possible, which is just you walk in with a piece of paper, which is your dollar, and you walk out with a piece of paper, which is your ticket. And that was a hard sell about you know six years ago, right? Which was uh, 2015 when we started the company. Very difficult to get done. Um, but as we've gone forward, is is like we have shown that lottery is one a social good. It is, it is a way for people to contribute to the local economy, you know, usually on the education side. Um, but at the same time is that people don't want to go 
well, I'll say the younger generations don't want to go with their paper money and re redeem a paper ticket. Is that 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 is? It's not they they don't want to play. It's that they don't want to go to the store and they don't carry cash. So that's like a bit big. A, that has been a huge driver for us. And then once COVID hit, is as difficult as that has all been for everybody. Is that as the the only silver lining for from our perspective is that the lotteries have realized that you must modernize. You don't have a choice anymore. Like you, you know, like the 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 future is being online, which is true of everything, which is true of, of Amazon shopping and, and everything else that we do in the world and that you have to sort of modernize. And so we've sort of from a, you know, a uh, capitalist perspective, we've we've been very fortunate in that perspective. I'll stop there, Ron, I'll, I'll let you go. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, the tagline right underneath us is from space, it's obvious that everything is changing, right? And so, um, the silver lining of 2020 is that it's a forcing function for change and uh, hopefully it's, it's changed for the better. So uh, we don't want to go back to the upside down status quo. We want to go back to something better. Um, something where, you know, those legacy systems like you talk about, um, you know, a lot of them don't really have any good reasons for, for being the way they are. It's just, this is the way we've always done it. Back when we, were, we had horses pulling pulling carts, you know, <laughs> and, right. and, uh, and uh, it's time to it's time to modernize. So yeah. I see a lot of people tuning in, but nobody has any questions. I can't I can't believe it. So talk about talk about win together uh, and, sure. how, and how that evolves out of out of lottery.com. Well, first awesome. of all, just but, but before we move on from lottery.com, what what is your vision for it? Where do you see it going? Um, and uh, you know, what is the, what, what, what gets you to work every day? Sure. You know, I think, um, as lottery.com as a company is, you know, uh, our goal is to sort of be a global marketplace for games of chance. And so I, I would say like the, the easiest way to, you know, to find that is like the Amazon of lottery, which means that, you know, as, as we onboard all of it, and it's true all over the world, which is that once, you know, COVID hit is that, all of these sort of the the state or, or country revenues went to mostly zero in the retail world. And so our, our goal is to sort of onboard all of those um, sovereign country or state lottery games, bring them onto our platform and just digitize them. It, it's it's honestly like one of the simplest things that, that can happen and must happen over time. Um, and so that like that's really our future going forward. Um, and then on Win Together is that, I'll say that the, the lottery is a social good game. And so if you, it, whatever state that you're in, if you buy a lottery ticket, Powerball, Mega Millions, what have you, is that about a third of, of those funds goes towards your, your local government, usually towards education. And I'll say that the, the best example I can give you of, of how, what the efficacy of that is, is in the HOPE program, which is out of Georgia. So in Georgia, if you get a, I think a B plus average all the way through high school is that the, the Georgia lottery plays for your pays for your entire college tuition, which is phenomenal, right? Like that's the way to do things. And so like our goal is to one, bring some transparency of where these dollars go. Uh, yeah, you know, like if you are buying a $2 ticket, like, you know, and, and a third of that goes towards the state, where do those dollars go? And where does the, What's the efficacy? Like, it, it, are we really having, are we really being a social good enterprise? Um, and then with Win Together is what we realize that we can be a bit more specific. 
meaning we can create a charitable sweepstakes where if you donate to a specific cause, we just want to incentivize you, honestly, which means people have two sides to their brain, I, I think in a very, at a very high level. Obviously, there's multiple sides to the brain, but if you can just sort of buy into that, um, there's sort of the philanthropic side and there's also a, a selfish side and there's nothing wrong with being a little bit selfish. And so if you, all we want to do is sort of, if you care about a cause, we want to incentivize you to, to pull the trigger and take that action to actually donate to that cause. And so with wintogether.org, you can donate to a specific cause that you actually care about um, and have a, a chance to win something amazing, whether that's a, uh, a luxury car, like with, the Arbor Day Foundation, we're giving away a, a Cybertruck, um, you know, uh, or it's a celebrity experience or it's a cash prize, whatever that is, is we want to be able to deliver that to you. We're just trying to appeal to both sides of uh, people's minds, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, re I remember back when we met in New York, there was a conversation going around about how we could create a lottery that would um, end world hunger. Yeah. Could, did, whatever happened with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh no it's still in progress it's a it's a that is a obviously like world hunger is a a really big hill to climb right um but we've talked to unicef which is one of our partners and you can imagine sort of coming in from a as a gaming company how they perceive us right it's, it's sort of like you know shields up for sure would like me first start talking to them but as we talked to them, they started to understand like that what we can do, just like leveraging the the gaming mechanics of, of what we're doing um, to, to raise a tremendous amount of money. But, you know, I, I remember being in um, in Rome, actually, which is one of the headquarters of uh, of the UN and UNICEF. Uh, and, and they said, like, look, I don't think you understand what you're really doing. If you can raise three billion dollars in, in a one year's time you can effectively feed all the hungry people in the world. Like there will be no more hungry people, if that makes sense. It doesn't solve all of world hunger, right? Like there's levels of hunger, obviously, like when you dig into it, but we can keep people alive, right? Like the the, the people who are literally starving to death for $3 billion, that can be done. Um, and so that was like a, a big awakening for me of like, that's the, that's the goal, right? Because how many Einsteins or geniuses are there that are, are born all around the world mm -hmm. that literally die in childhood because we can't give them enough calories, right? right? Um, and so if we just sort of like look at that focus and it's a long time horizon, right? Like, you know, who knows what, what you know, the, those kids are going to do in their lifetime, but there are, are brilliant genius people born around the world all the time. And, I feel like it's my goal and mission to make sure that they, you know, make it to adulthood and just, just have a, have a, an opportunity because there's so many brilliant people that just never get the chance. You know, they, they don't have the opportunity to show what they have. And, and like, I, I know I feel that. So like, I want to be able to give that. Yeah. That's a good example how there, there is no us and them. There's only, there's only we. Yeah. And so like, if we, if we're helping uh, a community on the other side of the world, uh, we're helping ourselves too. It's not just, it's not just uh, one-sided. So let me let me pop up a, a comment from Wanda. Uh, this is a refreshing conversation, a welcome respite from the daily angst that is presented to us. So I want to talk about the daily angst because <laughs> sure. I, I think I, I I assume I guess what Wanda is is talking about is the swirling devisiveness that's all around us right now. 
you know, the everybody in their own, you know, echo chamber, echo chamber filled walls and, um, and just amplifying uh, divisive opinions um, yeah. and, and our, and our seemingly inability to have rational conversations across different perspectives. Right. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And uh, I think this is a, re a really good path to go down in our conversation. And I think one of the big problems right now is that we have an erosion of trust. Uh, all yeah. of the, all of the um, typical or traditional places where, where trust can be found, whether that's scientists, <laughs> whether that's journalism, you know, good effective journalism, whether that's the government or elected officials, you know, all of that has been eroded, right? Is whether yeah. it's the heads of corporations, you know, what, Normally, well, not normally, but historically, has been seen as you know fountains of of trust, and and the, and our and our civilization is built on that trust um, has been you know significantly eroded um, yeah. to the point where if we're presented, you know, we we all form our own opinions, and if we're presented with evidence counter to our opinion, instead of changing our opinion or evolving our opinion we ignore the facts or we, we, we write them off as being false or, or whatever, no matter wh where the source is coming from, even if it's a world expert uh, on, so on something, it doesn't matter. And so, you know, uh, technology is never the, the, the only solution, but yeah. there, are some <clears throat> there are some technological advancements that have occurred in, in the recent past that are, are developing right now uh, exponentially that, could potentially form some levels of inherent trust, right? Right. Um, I mean, like, right. like for instance, you know, one of the big things that Uber had to deal with when it was what was coming is is that people trusted the taxi certification, right? That this was <laughs> yeah. this was an organization that was you know run by trustworthy people that certified that this taxi is is good to get into, right? But technology was able through peer review and, and all of this kind of stuff was able to create inherent trust, making those certifications um, obsolete. And so with the advent of blockchain, you know, we have this capability to have immutable, uh, you know, tr completely transparent uh, trust developed. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've been racking my, a lot of people have, have commented during, during the show and I, I certainly, have experienced this myself is nobody in the world has enough free time to do all the due diligence and all the fact checking required to check everybody's opinion or every newscast or every report. You just, it's impossible to do that. So, yeah. so what that means is you have to, you have to be really careful with, with um, what you take in. So I haven't come up with yet, you know, a blockchain based or technology based way to have just, information out into the world. But yeah. there are ways that we can use systems like blockchain to, to offer some some trans, transparency, whether it's transparency that our donations are actually going to the things that we say they are, transparency that if some company says that they don't, you know, that they're free trade and they don't have any child, you know, labor and all this kind of stuff, that there's right. a blockchain-based supply chain that, that validates that and there's no way to, around that. So what are your thoughts on the emerging, tech, emerging technology like blockchain uh, to help build inherent trust? That's a very good question. You know, I think um, 
if we look to sort of like the, the trust factor, right, is, is honestly, if you are a person who only gets your news sources, right, like to very specific on, on the politics side, if you only have like one source of news, I can promise you you have gravitated towards a source that will reinforce your beliefs. And it's so important to get that different perspective, right? Even if you hate everything that you see, you should find the equivalent on the other side of the aisle that gives you a completely different view. And and honestly, usually it's it's the truth is somewhere in between, right? Is like this side, they have their own agenda and this side has their own agenda. And if you sort of like mix those together, you'll at least have a, a better view of what's actually happening in the world. Um, that's very important. Uh, from the blockchain perspective, like, well, let's just think about like um, voting on the blockchain, like like for, you know, the, the president. You know, four years ago, we had half the country didn't believe in the election results. And now four years later, we have the other side not believing in the election results. And so like there's a, a, a trust issue just in the process that we actually have to decide who, who runs our country. Um, and that's a that's a big hill to climb for sure. Uh, and it's disingenuous for people to say like, oh, you know, uh, well, honestly, it's just both sides, right? Like if you didn't believe it in 2016, why do you believe in 2020? And, it, and it's more about like to the heart of what you're talking about is we pick sides, right? Is like that is sort of where it's tribalism. And like we are hardwired from a perspective to to choose a tribe and to to be a member of that tribe. And that I think is like the thing that we have to evolve from because like, as I, I've told you, Ron, I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. And so like, I'm a hardcore Broncos <laughs> fan, uh, you know, and I don't like the chiefs and I don't like the Raiders, but also like I, I realize now at this age is um, if I grew up in Kansas city, I would definitely be a chiefs fan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like the, why do I love this team? Why have I chosen this team? It's because I was born and raised there and like that is my heritage and I should it's part of your identity you've exactly you have taken that on as part of your identity 100 percent identity is normally something to be defended at all costs (laughs) exactly even you know like even against facts (laughs) yeah no you're right and and the thing is like I inherited this identity right and and it's 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 fine because it's sports right like but also, like, you know, I grew up watching John Elway do all these fourth quarter comebacks and all of these amazing things. And, and he instilled a lot of, like, the underdog mentality in, in myself. But he hasn't played in 20-plus years. And I, I have no idea who, who who is playing now. Like, what's the current roster? Like, literally, I root for the blue and orange laundry. And I don't like the red and white laundry. And those are the folks that actually play every Sunday, right? Right. It's completely irrational, but it's right. it's fine because it's sports. And I and I love sports, right? And we should have that. But if you zoom out a little bit on the Dolly Zoom, right, is yeah, yeah. is uh that's what politics has become in the last twenty years. Yeah. Which yeah. is just like, all right, everybody, you must pick a team. It's either oh. red or blue. Right. And that's it. Right. And that's so absurd, right? But we all do it. And you know, like like taking back to sports. If I love the Broncos and one of the players has some type of scandal, right? I will forgive that scandal and say, well, it's not that serious. It's not this. It's not yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But if the other side has the same exact scandal, well, they're the bad guys, right. right? They are, they are the worst people in the world. And that's really the problem is that like it, to, you know, I, I've watched the podcast and, and I've, 
it's just picking a team is the worst thing you can possibly do in my opinion right is like and that's a problem in in almost everything right but like it specifically in politics is that once we pick a team we decide we're in with them and we will excuse any bad behavior that anybody has and anybody on the other side of the aisle will make sure that we vilify them and we hate them yeah and that we will never get to a point of unity if we continue down that path. It's I, so I destructive. Yeah. It, it's, it's destructive and it weakens us because yeah. what it does is it said one side says, I refuse to see any merit whatsoever in the position of the other side, because if we recognize any merit, then they will, then <laughs> we will lose. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's this, you know, zero sum game thing that we're, do, that we're doing. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And let me let me pop up this comment from Josh from Joshua. Alternate alternate facts are evidence of anti-intellectual of an anti-intellectual rise in the in the US. So so let's talk about that for a second because you brought up a thing about how we have to evolve away from tribalism, basically. Sure. But we may not have to evolve away from tribalism. Maybe what we need to do is continually broaden our tribe, <laughs> our definition of tribe, right? Because if we're a tribe of Earthlings, uh, you know, until until we have an alien invasion, or, or until until we're not no no longer, you know, considered the only intelligent life in the in the universe that we know of, um, you know, we're, we'll be we'll be fine. And so, I've been thinking about this uh, anti-intellectualism, right? Or I would say anti-elitism is, is probably yeah, the way to sure. put it. And and. I don't think it just it just appeared. I think we've always had that, but it's really been uh, amplified lately because a lot of the differences have been amplified. Like the different the gap between the rich and the poor has amplified. You know, sure. the 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 gap between those with power and those without power has amplified and expanded. And so, you know, there's been to me it all boils down to belonging. Is a, do you feel like you belong? Are you benefiting from the system that exists right now or are you outside the system and are you just a pawn in this game that you have no control over right and i think that meant that mentality or that philosophy or that belief you know started things like occupy wall street and and all of these things and so there is a a large percentage of the population that thinks that the system is rigged against them and that, you know, they're angry about that, obviously. And they, and they look for, for tribes, if you will, to latch onto, to try and yeah. belong to something to make up for that lack that they feel the system's rigged against them. And the reason why they feel the system is rigged against them is because it is, we have a system that is unfair. We have an unjust, inequitable <laughs> system that, yeah, we do. that, where the people in power get more power, the people with money get more money, the people with the best educations get more education. It just, it just, it's a cell, it's a, it's a, you know, it just keeps feeding on itself. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, in, in light of <laughs> Joshua's point. Oh, wow. Um, that's a big point. I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I'll say the expansion of what your tribe means is maybe the most important thing is you know, in the U.S. right now is we have people who just hate their own people. And, and I remember, I'm, I'm 41 right now, but I remember even early 20s, right, where I could have a conversation with somebody who had a different political viewpoint with me, right. and we could still be friends, yep. right? Like, we could argue all day long, and then we drop it, right? I don't think that's true anymore. 
is like now it's like you know people see however they see the if if it's opposite of what they believe that those are actually bad humans and they want the worst for the world that's not true like i actually believe that we all want the same things what is the 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 greatest good for the most amount of people that we can possibly come up with we have different ideas on how to get there maybe but like we we still want the the greater good to happen that's effectively gone and and it's it what happens is it's shut down conversation where now people don't talk anymore you know like if if we if, if iran if you and i met and we had drastically political views we would suss that out very quickly and we would just not talk about it and there, so there's no cross uh, across the aisle discussion of what is happening or what's going to happen and that further pushes us apart right like we get more and more away from each other and we just start to again like the whatever the news sources that we have decided to trust it just it 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 more reinforces that belief and we get farther apart like and i don't think that can continue it can't honestly it can't continue yeah eventually we get to a either a collapse or a breakthrough so i i think part of you know uh part of the problem is that we have such a, a short attention span and we've been we've been conditioned to to basically be lazy for lack of a better word in that when for instance when you meet somebody who has a differing opinion than you the easy way out is just to dismiss them and think that they're stupid or ignorant or uneducated or whatever yeah uh, as opposed to saying okay why do they think that way what's what's leading them to think that way if if somebody sees something in their post that in their newsfeed that they that really they like and they really agree with it, but it's kind of questionable whether it might be true. Instead sure. of checking it, they just post it, right? And you know, I said that we have this fatigue about you know you can't possibly you know check everything, you know, do a quality control on every piece of information uh, yeah. that's out there. But you should do that for every inf- piece of information that you share, because when you post something, you you are putting the responsibility on yourself to say, okay, I know for a fact because of, uh, to the best of my ability. I have verified that the facts, the facts in quotation marks that I'm putting right. out into the world have been verified, but almost nobody does that. Almost everybody just blindly reposts or, or uh, puts out things. And then we ha- get into this escalating exponential, you know, increase in the, the amount of craziness that's, <laughs> that gets put in the world yeah. and truth gets lost in it. We can't, we can't discern yeah. truth from that. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, <laughs> I, I think that's a bit, that's a big issue. No, I, I agree. I, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the real thing that needs to happen, I, I hope that will happen in the next however many years is that we stop choosing teams. And that was my point of like talking about sports, right? Is if I had grown up in Kansas city, I would have loved the chiefs. Right. And I would have hated the Broncos, but that's all just where we come from. And we have to get to a point where, we stop rooting for teams like right now in politics, people either, you know, root for the red team or the blue team, but we're not actually on that team. We're fans of that team, right? Like, you know, just like the common people are just fans of whatever that team is. And instead of buying a ticket to go to see the game, we either donate or, or vote for that team. Um, But they're going to do what they do, but that like, we, we shouldn't define ourselves as fans of a specific team. Like I, I, my hope is that somebody comes along at some point that can disrupt that entire ecosystem and yeah. say, look, look, I, I'm not a part of a team. I am who I am. Here are the things that I believe. Stop rooting for a specific team and just uh, understand me as a, as a person. 
and this is what I want to do. Here's my track record, and like let's let's go forward. I, I my in my opinion, I think it's incredibly important that at some time in the next ten or twenty years is that we disrupt the two party system in the U.S. Oh yeah, because it just it just cannot continue. It's just so divisive by design. Like you have, if it's binary, it's it is yeah. divisive, right? So, so I think that it's okay to be a part of a team. I don't I don't think it, it, as sure. long as you're part of a team in the context of the game that's being played, right? And so sure. if you're if you're if you're a fan of the Broncos, then you prefer that they win and you root for them to win and you're happy when they win. But that doesn't mean that you're going to. Uh, dismiss them cheating or, you know, sure. you know, you're, you're playing and you realize that it's a game, right? That it's just a game that you're not going to go turn over buses yeah. and lose because you, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, loot and light things on fire because it's just a game. Right. And sure. when, when you talk about political parties, I think it's okay to identify with it. No, I'm sorry. That's the war and war. That is the word. That's the word that gets us in trouble when you identify with a, with a political party. So I, so I think it's okay to lean towards a specific political party, as long as you understand it's in the context of the game that's playing playing. And the game that's being played is that these are elected officials who are elected to for the benefit of the country, to move the country forward in progress and to serve the citizens of that nation, right? It's not to serve the needs of the donors, the special interest groups and the, the party itself. Right. And so what that means is if you lean towards a, a, a particular political party, you're you're mostly focused on the issues that that political party is, is dealing with. And if if that party is, um, you know, not going down a path that you want them to go in a particular issue, then there's no there's no problem with, you know, if the if the issues, if, if the policies of the other party are are more aligned with you, that's that's okay too. It, this is all about bringing together the best of everything that we have, not the best of half of what we have. And so I I, th I think that's a that that's a really important uh, distinction in, in this. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's I just I just hope that people evaluate their own team the same way that they evaluate the other side's team. Right. It's like if you don't have a good right. quarterback, get rid of that quarterback. Right. Okay. And get them gone as soon as possible and not make excuses for them on anything that they do. Right. And and like if we can at least start to have like an honest conversation about who our team is, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I do still believe that in the in the future is that I hope politically speaking that we don't have teams anymore. Is that like somebody comes along? Hey, well, I'll say this. If you look at sort of the history of like the US presidency, right? Is is we had um, we had uh, George W. Bush and then we had Clinton and then we had another Bush and we were about to have another Clinton, right? It's just two families, honestly, that yeah. were going to sort of be the presidency for most of our adult lifetimes. And then you had a disruptor come in, which was Obama. Uh, he came in and he was so different than anything that anybody had ever seen that he won the presidency. That is, I think, the type of disruption that that we need. Because if, if if he had not come along, we would have had you know Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, and that's what would our presidency history would have been. Two families. That's it. Like, and you can't tell me that there's only two families in the entire country that could produce really good candidates. But that's what it was. And so, I guess my my point is, I, I think we need a, a second wave of disruption, yeah. which is that some candidate comes along which sort of um you know 
just sort of uh, excels or is so much above the current conversation that we're having that people are, are gravitated to that person, you know, man or woman, it doesn't matter. But there's somebody who realizes that like the, the team to your point should be, we are Americans and we have the same goals, which is the best possible lives for all of the people in our country. We may have different ideas of how we get there, but that's our goal. Yeah, and it, and if that's an actual uniter, in my opinion, which is that you know, it's like I don't I don't care what aisle you sit in. It's like our goal is the same, and we need to get there. How do we get there? Yeah, and I, and I truly believe that the vast majority of the people in the country, the vast majority of the politicians in the country, the vast majority of the people in the world want that. They want peace, yeah. they want security. They want they want everyone to have happy. They don't want to have poor. You know, they want everybody to be lifted up. I mean, I. I I think the vast majority of people want to make the world a better place, right? Absolutely. So let's let's just keep on this to- this topic of teams because I think I think we're onto something here. And yeah. what I when I misspoke before and I said it's okay to identify with a team, that actually is a thing that's not okay. <laughs> the thing that's not okay is to derive your identity from a team, whether yeah. that's a sports team, whether that's a political party, because what that means that what that leads to is when you're presented an alternating alternating view or an alternative view, an alternative perspective from the other team or the other party, you take that as an affront on yourself, on your right. personal self-identity that and, and you're going to fight it with, with tooth and nail. And so, <laughs> right. as, so as an example, so so say, say two people are 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 together and they're, they're on opposite sides of the political spectrum and both of them have identified with their party. It's part of their self-identity. And one person says something that the other one disagrees with. They're going to have they're going to be into this two dimensional, very shallow ex- ex- exchange. Right. If one of them, if only one of them doesn't see it that way, if one of them sees this is not part of my identity, I just want what's best and looks at what they're saying and and honestly tries to figure out if what they're saying is true, if there's any value, if there's any, uh, if there's anything to be gained from that, that perspective. And if the answer still becomes no, this is, this is, this is not something that's, that's going to move us forward. This is not something that, that's going to help us to progress. Then they don't just immediately write that person off as stupid, ignorant, uneducated. <laughs> they say, why is that person feeling this way? Is it out of pain? Is it out of suffering? Is, are they going through some crisis right now where this is a glimmer of hope for them that they're latching on to? You know, basically having empathy and active listening. And so, you know, if you have two people that are both doing that, then all this problem goes away. But it, I think it only takes one to start that process and it becomes a chain reaction. And so if you are in a heated debate on social media or at the kitchen table or whatever it is, realize that both of you have identified with your positions. And <laughs> if only one of you uh, disidentifies with that position, uh, things will be a lot better. No, you're completely right. And I think it's, it, it might be as simple as saying, like, I understand where you're coming from, right? Like if, if, if somebody is like very, you know, explicit on, on their views if you just say or, like, or i don't understand where you're coming from help me sure. understand you know yeah no you're right but it, it's it's you know like I, I believe in the axiom of like what you resist persist right like whatever you're pushing against like the harder you push the harder they'll push back right, right. whatever that is right. but if you can just say like okay it's okay that we have a different view on the world i assume that we all want the best thing very few people like want the worst thing in the world right like 
most people want the most amount of people to have good lives. So let's talk about how we can get there. We might have very different ideas on how we get there, but like, let's, let's have that conversation. Um, but the, you know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people that I disagree with very strongly, but the, it, whenever you say like, you're wrong, that's a stupid thing to say. Immediately your everybody's walls go up and now there's no more conversation, right? Like the, the, the best thing is like, okay, explain to me, right? Like how, how did you get there? What do you mean? Why do you want this thing? How would that work out in the future, right? The, exactly what you're saying is that like, that's how we get unity is to stop, well, assuming that we're like, we're always on different teams. Like no, we are on the same I don't, team. I don't agree with that at all. That's, that's completely stupid. I don't believe that. Okay. I like that. <laughs> no, I'm, trying, I'm trying to. I want to hear you. Go ahead. I give it to me, Ron. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Tell me why I'm stupid. <laughs> no. no, but but you see, I mean, just as a as a ridiculous example, that's how we talk to each other, and and part of the reason why we have these these polarized view, views is because we're all in these echo boxes with echo chamber walls. Yeah. We're all being fed, you know, amplified information on exactly what. The algorithm yeah. algorithms think we want to hear. So uh, I completely agree. It's it's just you know, I guess you have to assume like, look, if, if you think you're smart, you can't assume that everybody is stupid, right? And that like their entire life experience has just led them to a, a you know such idiocy. You have to assume when you engage with somebody that they are as as smart as you, and they have like they just have different beliefs than you. It's not a stupid belief; it's just a, a different belief. And if you sort of go towards a, a a perspective of like let's let's talk this out, let's go forward, and either you will convince them or they will convince you. Right. And it, it's okay either way. You should also be okay with like maybe I'm wrong, right? Like maybe I, I maybe everything that I've known in my entire life is completely wrong, and I actually want to be convinced of something else. But if you are so beholden to your beliefs and you are rigid in that, and you will never change that belief you can't have a real conversation about anything because like, right. you're never going to learn anything. Right. Yeah. Somebody who already knows everything can't possibly learn anything. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I mean, this goes back to what Joshua was saying about anti-intellectualism, right? I mean, that's, that's what you're saying is, 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 you know, basically, you know, there is a lot of uh, intellectual or elitism in, in, sure. in our country and in the world right now. And so there is a lot of dismissal of alternative perspectives, right? Um, they're they're baskets of deplorables, right? I mean, they're, sure. they're, they're yeah. I mean, there's lots of you know we're up here in our ivory tower, and they're all you know let them eat cake, you know type. Yeah. Of thing. So let, let's let's shift gears a little bit and um, let's talk. This is uh, Mr. Switzerland eighty eight. Uh, for the people that are going through difficult times, whether it be financially, academic, academically, relationships. How do you think the orbital perspective can help people through those difficult times? Since you don't have to be in orbit to have an orbital perspective, you want to take a crack at that? <laughs> sure. You know, I think with um, with personal relationships, same thing I said before is like we all grow up, and we have uh, like a, when I think about myself, I think about like I'm I'm like a, a horse in Central Park with the blinders on, right? Like pulling a little cab. Um, I can only see through my own eyes, and that's the perspective I have. And the, the, the goal or what you should strive for is like seeing other people's perspective, which is take yourself out of your existing perspective, your own wants, your own needs, what you want to actually accomplish. Uh, that's stage one, I think. Stage two is like, okay, the other person on the other side of the table, like what do they want? 
You know, like where where do they come from? What's motivating them? And you know, like I think we're all we're a product of our experiences, our trauma, and you know, all of those things combined. Of that's the and and I'll say perspective is a real time thing, which means that like I'll have a different perspective now than I do in two years, probably. Right? It'll be slightly different, but it, it, your perspective is where you are at the moment, viewing things through your own eyes. So if you can. One, first understand that everybody has a different perspective. We all have different things that, that drive us, right? We have our different histories, different, you know, experiences. And then two, do your best to understand those other perspectives and, and what drives those people. Then you can at least have a, conver- a real conversation, right? Uh, and it, it's not easy, honestly. Like, it's, it's, it takes time to develop that skill. But it's, it's a muscle that you can build up for sure. To understand like why people do things and that's expandable to everything whether it's a, a business discussion if you're doing you know some type of negotiation or it's a personal um relationship and you you want to have either a, a different or better relationship with that person um everything honestly comes down to perspective that's why i love the podcast honestly ron is like yes. perspective is so important to me um because like i i believe that the success that i've had has come down to seeing other people's perspective because if yeah. you can Exactly. understand someone else then you can have much better communication with them and that that's where you have to strive for at least yeah i mean what is undeniably obviously obvious <laughs> from the orbital perspective is that the the saying we're all in this together is not a cliche right i mean right. it's been made undeniable through things like COVID 19 and other, other crises that we are literally each and every one of us riding through the universe together on the spaceship that we call Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's also, if you take that, if you take that a little deeper, if you dolly zoom a little deeper, uh, there is no us and them. There's only there's only we, right? And yeah. so, um, Mr. Switzerland eighty eight, uh, <laughs> maybe to, to to dive in a little bit more into that into your question of, about people, you know, when financial trouble, relationship trouble, academic, you know, all of these things is to realize that we're all in this together. And so all of us as, you know, the other thing that, you know, we're riding through the universe together on the spaceship that we call Earth, but there's no, there's no passengers on this spaceship, on this spaceship, we're all crewmates. And as crewmates, we have uh, an obligation and a responsibility to mind the ship uh, and to take care of our fellow crewmates. And so all of us, no matter what your situation, um, needs to be on the lookout for folks who are struggling or having problems. And if you are the person that is, is struggling and having a problem, you need to basically be able to, to ask for help. And so yeah. you know, we talk a lot about expeditionary behavior and you know, we, we get locked in a can for six months and on the space station and you know, it's in a hostile environment and you have to learn how to work together as a team and you have to work together in this, in this you know, isolation and, and overcome all these challenges. And one of the first things that you're taught is that you don't do anybody good if you yourself is, is you know, too overly fatigued or sick or injured. And so right. you have to do things to for self-care. Um, and then once you, your, your basic needs are met and you, you can, now you have the bandwidth uh, to look out at, at others. You know, the first episode of this podcast, back when we were still calling it Sheltered in Place, uh, conversation sheltered in place was live from Mount Sinai Hospital in New York back early in the year when that was like the the ground zero of of the of the spike, and yeah, we talked to doctors and nurses and and uh, healthcare professionals, but we also talked about 
talk to folks who were experts in in recharging batteries. And so they they mm. were setting up re recharge rooms around the hospital for the for the frontline workers for the you know wow. professionals to unplug, recharge, you know, get you know they had VR, they had they had aromatherapies, they had you know this this soothing music. They had you know backgrounds like your background right yeah. now, where, <laughs> right. where basically they could you know simulate being back in nature and and recharging. And so um, it's really really important to to realize that um, you need you need to take care of yourself. And and uh, the only way we're going to get through this is together. And to, and we need to watch out for each other. And to Absolutely. be in a position if you are taking care of yourself to be able to to help others is is really really important. Cool. Lots of comments come in. I'm going through as many as I can. You know, we're talking. We were talking about gaming. So here's a famous gamer. <laughs> famous, famous, <laughs> yeah. Famous poker player. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie, for uh, your comment. This is a wise and thoughtful discussion, uh, necessary for healing the world. Thank you, folks. For, thank you both for taking the time to do this, and and thank you, Jamie Gold, for all that you're doing to to help you, bring unity uh, to the world. Um. And, and so, so for people that don't know, Jamie is the uh, is the winner of the of the um, the Poker World Series, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, he's actually the largest winner of the World Series of Poker uh, of all time. Okay, he won the biggest amount. Tony, do you do you speak uh, Spanish? Perhaps. Oh, very good. Like, there's comments coming in Spanish, and uh, unfortunately, neither one of us are, are. I'll do I'll do my best if we can try to decode it. But that's all I can promise. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we're we're coming to the close. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Um, anything that you want to say about entrepreneurship and how uh, you know entrepreneurship can help out in uh, in crises? Well, you know, entrepreneurship is such a core part of me. You know, like I I barely graduated high school and I've just been an entrepreneur my entire life. It's like I, I sort of believe that I, I feel like I'm a sort of a, a, a slugger at heart in the baseball sense of like, I, I, I try to swing the bat as hard as I can whenever I possibly can. And I've done that since I was, you know, a kid, um, which means like, I'm not interested in a base hit. I, I don't want to just get on base. Like I just swing as hard as I possibly can. And that's sort of what entrepreneurship is, is just swinging for the fences whenever you possibly can. And I, you know, I believe that that's sort of the way forward. Like I, I think there are so many, entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs who don't ever take the plunge um, because they, they believe that they're, that they're, that the sort of nine to five, you know, W2 life is safety. Um, and uh, we're going to get way off topic here, but I'm going to just going to ramble for a minute, Ron, if that's okay. okay. Um, you know, it's, um, I don't think that's actually safety sort of like just having a regular job with no upside and sort of buying into the system of, you know, I'm going to work 40 or 50 hours a week for 50 weeks a year for 50 or 60 years of my life. And then at the end of that, I'll, I'm going to be, you know, 60 or 70 something and I'm going to then retire. Um, I don't think, I don't feel like that's safety. And, I, and I've had so many friends who was even in the last year who thought that they were safe, right? And they were employees, and then uh, their their job is gone now, and then now they're in a very rough spot. Um, but also, like I, I I just realized early on that I just want to swing the bat, and I would rather do that for the next forty or fifty years 
and eventually hit a home run because you got to assume that you're going to get better a little bit, right? You're going to learn a, little, a few things. Right. Eventually, I'll hit a home run. Then sort of start to put put a nest egg together and go forward with all of that. Um, because the, the honest, like this, the stats are about half of U.S. adults um, don't have retirement. They don't have enough money when they retire, right? Like they they literally have zero dollars when they die. And so success in that model is. Uh, you know, I'm going to work for 40 or 50 years. I'm going to get two weeks off a year. And when I actually am old enough to actually retire, my goal changes, which is hopefully I've like, you know, banked up a bunch of money. And my goal from that point forward is I hope that I die before I run out of money. And that that's the truth, right? Like I, I really, I, I cross my fingers and I hope that I die before I run out of money. Because if I don't, now I, I am an obligation to somebody else, right? I'm an obligation to my family to take care of me. And so I, I really, really hope that I, I, hope that I die before I run out of money. And like, I, I just never wanted that. And I, and I think this is a, another totally separate discussion, but I really think that the employee mindset is just not the way forward. Like that, we cannot do the, what we're doing now for the, like the next 50, a hundred years. Like there has to be disruption in that where everybody is incentivized and we can all win together and we can all, you know, build our wealth as employees, as we sort of grow forward. I'm, I'm rambling a bit. No, no, that's a great point, and it's such a great point that I that I recommend that we we dive deeper in that in our in our not my, our recorded session. So for, yeah, you know, if you don't know, we we're doing obviously doing this live right now, but we we're going to um, when this ends, we're going to continue this conversation and just uh, have it recorded only, uh, and then that'll be we'll make that available uh, to folks to watch. But I think this idea of uh, you know the the traditional nine to five for, you know, 40 years uh, to get yourself to retirement. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's a good thread to pull on for, for, for Absolutely. that, that follow on conversation. But Tony, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to be on this, on the, the live part of this. Uh, thank you for being on the last uh, orbital perspective episode for, for 2020. We've got, thanks for having me. It, it's our, it's our pleasure. It's our honor. And, and, um, for everybody watching this, send us your comments. You know, we, we're gonna we're gonna revamp and retool for for 2021, uh, and we really want to hear what you want. You know, let us know what you want. Uh, give us some suggestions on how we can do better. Uh, what we can do. Give us suggestions for what type of people you want to hear from. What topics? What sh subjects? Uh, and uh, you know, 2021 <laughs> is the year where we're gonna get out of these crises and and uh, we're gonna go back to. Um, to some level of normality, uh, but it's it, it's not going to be hopefully going back to the way things were. It's going to be going to ba back to some, going to something that's better, that, that's yeah. that's more evolved, that's more that that uh, leads to more progress and and to a more positive future for for all of us. And so, Tony, thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. All the good that you're creating through Lottery.com and through WinTogether.org. Uh, and, uh, and really for, every, for, for your contribution uh, to the world. And, and thank you for your insight, sharing your insights so generously today with, with everybody. Thanks for having me, Ron. I really appreciate it. I it's, love the show. It, it's my, thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. And uh, with that, see you, see you guys next year. All right. Happy Thanks, holidays. Everybody. Cheers. Take care. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable. 
and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. Thank you.